0: Captured by Christ. So we're looking in John 5. We're going to start at, let's see, verse 30. I can do nothing on my own. This is the words of Jesus. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true." Who's he talking about? We'll see in verse 33. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Which John? John the Baptist. We'll see that in a second as well. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may not, excuse me, but I say these things so that you, that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John for the works that the father has given me to accomplish the very works that I am doing bear witness about me. That the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, His form you have never seen, and you do not have His word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom He has sent. Now, before we go any further, now I started on verse 30. Okay. The start of this whole entire dialogue here, it honestly starts at, really it starts before verse 18, but if you notice that last verse I just said, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to Jews who don't believe that he's God. They don't believe that he's the Messiah. So let's keep going. Because what I'm about to read to you was used um, as like a command for us. So that's why I read all those verses beforehand. Because when people isolate verses put them up on Facebook or wherever and then claim that this is a commandment from God to you 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 really need to start testing everything that you hear even if it sounds 100% you still need to test it some people are going to say that you argue for the sake of argument and some people do that but don't but don't fall for that, it's just a tactic to try and get you to stop because, I'm just saying, I've seen it before and I'll see it again. Um, people run out of material, especially the liars. the The ignorant ones, they have actually a lot more to offer. Now you can still be ignorant and end up being a liar. But that's different from knowing the truth and being a liar as Satan is. See, people don't understand. In a vacuum, when it comes to us and Satan, who wins? Satan. In a vacuum. But we know that we're not in a vacuum. We know that we have God with us. Okay, and, um, you know, having God with us, we're able to conquer as he did. That's why he says we'll do greater things than he. Doesn't mean that we're apostles. Doesn't mean that we're going to make miracles happen. But the point is, God is with us. And all things are possible because God is with us. So let's keep going here. I'm going to start again on verse 38 to go into 39 and 40 and the rest. So, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that but I know that you don't have the love of God within you. I mean, just imagine like like you're basically a priest, these Pharisees I mean that's basically what they were um. but you're you're highly regarded amongst the public, and some guy just literally comes out and says, "You know, you don't have the love of God within you because you reject me what like what could be going through a person's head if God himself tells you that?" Because I'm going to tell you something. Look at Satan. What did I just say? He knows the truth but lies about it. He's not ignorant. What does he know? He knows something that we don't. What does he know? He knows his fate. You see, we don't know that. We believe that Jesus has us. That our fate, our eternal life, is with Jesus and not in everlasting torment. That's what we believe. And we should believe that. But that's the way God has this all set up. Because he is going to be the one to provide the salvation. You cannot provide your own salvation. Nor can you maintain it without him. Because you can't maintain it at all. He's the only one that is the sustainer. He's the one that keeps everything together. Keeps you together. Now, let's continue here. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. That's an interesting sentence. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. Do do we come to like like for real? Can can we say stuff like this? No. No, you can't say stuff like this. Because you'll see in John 17, where Jesus says, Lord, keep them in your name, or Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me. So, I'm just saying, people need to start thinking about what the name of their God is. So, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Now notice, since God himself is telling them this through the person of Jesus Christ, because he's God, he literally tells them. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you. Moses. On whom you have set your hope. So the, so what he's saying is. You know you've set your hope in the law. So. You don't. You haven't set your hope in God. That he's going to act. You've set hope. In Moses. What he's provided for you. So that way you can act. You know that. You can somehow get your own salvation or provide it to other people. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Okay, very important to understand especially when you look in the New Testament, because it's primarily letters. So, when it says that they're carried along by the Holy Spirit, normally we think, okay, God's telling them things, and then they're writing it down. Fair enough, that's the simple way of putting it, However, I must say, there's something to the effect that even though you see the differences between the individuals being used by God to write, you know, you see the differences that they use, who is writing this divine literature? Is it a human being no okay the Holy Spirit is writing the Holy Spirit wrote but he's using us and especially with the Apostles you have to understand you know you had your prophets Jesus comes then you have Apostles All the apostles are dead, except for John, then he later dies of old age on Patmos, but before that, of course, he writes the book of Revelation, or he's basically given the book of Revelation to present to everyone. Now, we as Christians, we are not prophets that receive just outside information from God. Now, in a sense, we are, but it's not in the same context as the Old Testament prophets. Like the Bible that I'm holding in my hands, this is it. And you may think, "Oh, well, you know, there's longer books, and there's um, there's books that you can that's, that are shorter and puts all this in simpler form." Fair enough, but the problem you come to with something like that is you're not seeing the reality that the so-called vagueness of Scripture is actually not vague at all. And on top of that, Scripture is sufficient in itself to explain itself. So for example, I'll just use him as an example. Um Paul Washer. I let's say I go to one of Paul Washer's sermons. It's very very good. Very good. Now, there's a difference between using scripture alone to explain scripture and And the other side where you'll say that, but you're still having to use mortal man to explain the things that you supposedly can't. And the problem is, a lot of Christians today believe that they don't need to understand. A lot of Christians today don't believe that they need to be diligent. A lot of Christians today don't believe that there's any... Like, super evil out there. It's like they'll look at China. Evil. That's about it. They're they're not going to look at their own country. No, because if history has taught us anything, or better yet, if we've learned anything from history, it's that we'd never learn anything. We haven't. If we learned, we would not have a president that can't keep his words straight, which I think is kind of a ploy, to be honest. I, I don't really think he's actually that dumb um, or actually has this just giant mental disorder, which even if he did, like, do you not still see the issue that the government is not falling apart? It had already separated itself from the rest of the people a long time ago. Um do do you want to know who was responsible for that? Yeah. Antichrist. Roman Catholic Church. Go just just go look at every war since since the Roman Catholic Church's been around. I I dare say, just go look at the last 300 years. They've played on both sides. And you may ask, well, how in the world would they be able to do that? It's actually easier than you think. It might be a harder task to do, but there's not that many steps to take. Okay? You have to understand, confessors... These alter Christus, which means another Christ, when, when the Catholic goes into the confessional, they're confessing sins that are honestly either already forgiven or never will be. But this other Christ, the another Christ, alter Christus, the priest, the confessor, Serves the role as Jesus Christ on earth. For you to have your sins forgiven. Because if you confess. You'll receive repentance. Right? And it's interesting. You know. They won't go as far as to say repentance. They'll say penance. Now. Here's the whole problem. Did you not catch it? there is no other christ on top of that they are confessing sins to another sinner who's claiming to be in a role where they provide divine um if this is the right word retribution divine repentance You see, we don't give repentance. There's been a huge misunderstanding. Repentance is forgiveness. And it can only be granted to you by God. And there's nothing you can do to make Him do that. He has to give it to you gracefully. And it's one of the gifts of grace that He talks about. But what happens is... When you look at the gifts of grace, you'll see many many Christians' list of that is different. But the reason why, they take one or two of these gifts of grace and make it into the thing that makes God, supposedly, give you grace. So, for example, the main one is faith. That's the main one. Faith is a gift of grace. We have one faith, one baptism, one Lord. You you remember that from Ephesians 4, I believe. You know, I've already talked about baptism before. The baptism that saves is not water. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One Lord, Jesus Christ. One faith. So that means all the people within the body of Christ. Catch this. All the people within the body of Christ. Have one faith. Think about this. What magnitude do you look at that? Is it one faith that's just common? Like there's differences, but it's all like generally common? Or is this like a specific gift that you must have because your faith, no matter how hard you try, is still imperfect? unrighteous, doubtful. Like, all these things are true. And it's just funny because I'm not a King James only type individual. But I do recognize what the enemy has done. Okay? You you know, I've heard it over and over and over again. Oh, that's just a conspiracy. There's there's nothing wrong with these other translations. Like if that's true then your own life is a conspiracy theory because to to think that you have all of these translations just because all these people love you is absurd. When you have four clear instances I'll name off one for, just off the top of my head, Philippians 3.9. Okay? Faith of Christ is different from faith in Christ. Okay? And it's just funny, just like with Philippians 3.9, there's three other verses where faith of Christ is removed. And it'll either say something like faith in Jesus, faith in Christ, um, but there's um, but there's one verse that I really think really sums it up on whose faith it actually is, because you have to understand: do we receive God's perfect? righteousness by our imperfection no so when it says that Abraham his faith was counted as righteousness was it his own righteousness no you got to have the righteousness of God to be saved Abraham committed adultery Abraham gave his wife away to, um, who was it, to the Pharaoh? To the king at the time? Only because I don't have it in front of me to reiterate some things. But, But the point is, Abraham did bad things. He wasn't perfect. None of the people in Scripture were perfect except for Christ. Even the ones that Say, plan day, and it's crazy how people will use this as an argument sometimes. But, like with Job and Daniel, um, Enoch, Elijah, Hezekiah, they, you know, there, there are certain things in scripture that allude to, um, you know, them being righteous or holy. But when you forget why that is, you'll just take one of the gifts of grace and make it the thing that makes you get that gift. And it's absurd. It turns God into your lackey. Come here. You know, it's like calling a dog. And it's ironic because G-O-D backwards is D-O-G. Like there's something to the effect on why God tells you these people are dogs. Are you a dog? These people are goats. Are you a goat? These people are wolves. Are you a wolf? Like you get what I'm saying? So Jude 1, 3, and I quote, Beloved, that's us, and you'll see it, you know what, let's just start with verse 1, we're only reading three verses, well, let, let's keep going. This Jude, this is the last book before Revelation, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called... Beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed. Who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. And deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to go and throw this in here as well. Now I want to remind you although you once fully knew it. So, you know, you know, supposedly they knew that he was three divine persons. Not so. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, in King James it says the Lord, but we know who the Lord is, saved a people out of the land of Egypt, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. To contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now again, how specific is this? Is this faith just a general faith in Christ? Or is this actually the faith that Jesus showed on earth? Because I need you to understand something. Jesus doesn't need faith. He didn't have to have it. You see, God came down as an individual. Okay? He didn't leave his throne to go do this. Sorry, modalism. Sorry, Trinitarians that want to argue against me and say that I'm modalist. Y'all both wrong. Okay? God does not have to leave his throne to do anything. There's one God outside of time being all three supposed persons within time. You know, we could argue that there are 30 different persons if we really wanted to, if we wanted to just try to destroy the Bible. But we're not going to do that. Because common sense should tell you, not only is Jesus the head of every single group you can think of, But he's God. Like he is him. Father, keep them in your name. The name which you have given me. Baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all have the same name. Okay. They all have the same name. Think about this. Now, what happens is, well, well, let me just ask you this. So, if you have a faith delivered to you already. One of two things should be popping up in your head. Either this faith is just like doctrine, like the truth. Because, like it could fit here. Because all the saints have the word of God within them. You have to have his word abiding in you. Okay? So, you know... That could be it, right? But think about this for a moment. You must have God's perfect righteousness in order to go to the kingdom of heaven. You have to. We know how we have to do that. We have to be born again, which is something we can't do. We have to rely on God to give that to us now let's read verse 4 for certain people who are not saints have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation saints are not designated for condemnation Like just go look it up. Um, the uh, I, I think it's called the IFB or IBF, which is um, I think it's the International Baptist Federation or some International Bible Federation. But basically, one of the guys of that group, and I don't agree with James White on everything, but he literally said on the air in front of a camera, that James White was going to hell. For what? For saying that certain people are designated for condemnation by God before the foundation of the world. Just like us. We're designated for eternal life before the foundation of the world. We're not picked um, you know, like we're not created and then chosen. you know the the cho the uh the chosen aspect is within the creation. meaning when he created you, not only did he know he created you for that. It is unjust for God all it takes is two minutes to think about this. God is unjust for creating certain people for eternal life and then not giving it to them where there's no basis whatsoever except for what he gives the saints that separate the saints from the sinners that are not saints. For example, when Jesus tells us to love our enemies, we are to love our enemies. Does God love his enemies? No. He tells us that we were once enemies. But he tells us why. Okay? Like, we really need to start waking up. We really do. Because I'm telling you, you're gonna keep looking for that one thing that you can give God, and either you can't give it to Him, or God's supposed to give it to you, and you're claiming that you give it. Like there's no other way around it. It baffles me how people who assert free will of the human gets them divine grace. Like when you try to tell them, hey, you're saying that you earn it. No, we're not saying that. Well, of course, you're not going to say that. That's too obvious. And it's even gotten to the point where some of them actually do say it now. And they just feel good about it. Man, I've been scared this whole time to say that. I mean, the lightning didn't come strike me. I guess I'm okay. Mmm. Yeah. See, Satan's... He's the most powerful of all of us. But where's he going? He's going where you, where he wants you to go. He wants you to go with him. You know why? He knows he's going there. That's the difference. He knows where he's going. He knows that he was created for that purpose. You do not even know that you're created for salvation. You have faith that you have been created for salvation, and please continue in that faith. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm simply stating the fact if you have that faith, it's because of his grace. It's not because of you at all. And it makes perfect sense that the faith that Jesus showed, being that he don't even need it, he gives it to his children. His adoptive children. Just think about it. You receive the faith of Christ. You receive the righteousness of God. Does your imperfect faith equal the righteousness of God? No. It doesn't. Because see, here's what happens. People that assert that it's from them, their faith, because they'll still claim it's a gift of grace anyway, but they have to. They have to claim that. But when you start to think that faith comes from you, And you're faced with the question of what separates you from another sinner. Like that's where the rubber meets the road. Because if you have two Christians in the room. And I didn't say saints. I said Christians. Because Christian is an insult. But we you know we claim to be Christian if we believe, so you have two believers in the room, but one of one of the people, their doctrine is way better than the other, okay, What separates the one who has the better faith? Anyone? It's God. And that means one of two things. Either God created you with a greater faith than the next Christian, or in reality, all the saints that will be saved, including ourselves, actually have that gift of faith from Jesus himself. Like, hey, you, you can't have perfect faith in me. You're, you're going to end up losing. Here you go. I give this to you. You have to have it in order to have my righteousness. Um, just like with justification, you cannot be acquitted of your crime. God didn't take away your crime. God took away your punishment. That's why I get a little bit heated when people try to call me stupid for telling them, hey, you can't be acquitted. So don't say that justification isn't an acquittal. It's not. Because supposedly everyone on planet Earth is justified until they're not. Like, How does that even work? It don't work and they're counting on you falling for it. I'll give you a good example of this of a gift of grace the fear of the Lord And I quote Jeremiah thirty two. Let's see let's start with yeah let's start with verse 36 now therefore thus says the lord the god of israel concerning the city of which you say it is given into the hand of the king of babylon by sword famine and pestilence behold I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation, and I will bring them back to this place, and I will make them dwell in safety. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart, one way, that they may fear me forever, for their own good and the good of the children after them. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. That I will not turn away from doing good to them. But is that all he says? No. Check this out. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts. That they may not turn from me. Like, where did we go wrong, Christians? Where did we go wrong? How many of us are willing to admit that the fear of God came from him? How many? Not many. And I understand. It has to do with deception. But if you're not even willing to stop and be like, okay... Like I am deceivable by nature. I need to seek the Lord. He has to give me the understanding because I do not have it. It's common sense. If you notice, because God is so awesome or how can I put this limitless? It's like as if oh, Well, he can defy the logic, so therefore, he's illogical. Like, really? No. And that's why you got so many of the worst possible doctrines you can think of. That have some truth within them, because they have to, or it's too obvious. You know? It's... It's just common sense. You know, when you go just stop and be like, you know what? True reason is listening to the Lord, it's not trying to define the Lord by my own personal experience. And I'm going to end with this. Revelation 21. This is one of my favorite passages in, in the Bible. One of my favorites. You know why? Because if you go look in any red letter Bible, and, and if you find one that's different, please let me know. Because that would be awesome. But this passage is being, like this is a quotation, from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not in red. And to be perfectly honest, except for the Old Testament, which there's a lot in the Old Testament that needs to be in red. This is after So it's interesting how this is not in red, and I'm going to read it to you. This is Revelation 21. We're going to start with verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, recognize this, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I want you to think about your life today. And I want you to ask yourself, and really dig in, ask yourself, what is God's name? What is his real, actual name? I'm telling you, once you realize what his name actually is, there's not going to be any more to say. You're going to know. You're going to know exactly what the problem is in this world and that there's nothing you can do about it except rely on him. Whether it be to spread his word or to deal with hardship or even just good things and not being distracted from him by these good things that he gives you think about this stuff today father keep them in your name the name which you have given me ladies and gentlemen Jesus Christ is God What's done is done. It was done before it began, according to the Lord. He finished all His works from the foundation of the world. The only choice you've ever had in your life was repent or perish. All the roads you could have escaped. From that reality. Have been cut off. You're literally on an island. Or you go drown yourself in the lake. I'm not. I love you guys. And I believe the Lord Jesus loves you. But do not Ever. Think that his love is this thing that you can abuse and misuse as we do with other humans. As other humans have done to you. It's despicable to hear people say that God loves everybody the same. Or better yet, that God loves everybody, period. That the word hatred just means not preferred. It's despicable. It's absurd. And it's ruining our future generations. And you need to get up. And I need to get up. Off of our butts. And do something. God's not asking you to change the world today. But God did not ask you to sit your little butt down and not do a thing. He did not tell you that. And he most certainly didn't tell you that the evil that you see in this world is just an illusion. My friends, uh, hell is coming to earth if you haven't understood yet. And it's going to seem as if Satan is the one doing this. I urge you to go read 2 Kings. When the king of Assyria sends out um, Sennacherib against Hezekiah. And the king, which is the king of Judah at the time. Look at the words he's saying. And you tell me that's not what the Antichrist says today. I mean he even says don't let your God deceive you. That the city of Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. History repeats itself. Because with Jesus Christ. Life is his story. I love all you guys. Y'all have a blessed, wonderful day. Goodbye.